You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. You're listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program produced on Wurundjeri Country. I am Ayan Shirwa. Today, you're going to hear from three awesome young African Australians who are shedding light on Victoria's education system. They are telling it like it is, but they're also doing something about it, which is even more impressive. But before we hear from them, let's go to Beyonce featuring Beam with Energy. On stage rocking out stir crazy, Coco flow like 1980s. Come lit still, I drop lazy. None of that maybe energy, energy, energy. Just five, phone now 45. Don't get out of line, yeah. Ooh 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 ooh, pick a side. Only double lines we cross is dollar signs, yeah Ooh, 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 hold up, wait I hear just got paid, making rain, energy She more can't go, he more central pay Been waving the room, the crowd gon' move Look around, everybody on mute Look around, it's me and my crew, big energy He was on stop mode, got phones, phones from page Vogue No post, check too much, bro, clip on load Just turned into terrorists. from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and touring Australia for the very first time is folk duo Watch House, formerly known as Mandolin Orange. From coffee houses to major festivals, Watch House has played it all with their heavenly harmonies, songs, and music. Watch House play the Melbourne Recital Centre 11th of October with support from the wonderful Charm of Finches. Also playing at Out on the Weekend at Seaworks in Williamstown, 8th of October. Love Police, proud supporters of 3CR. Brave men fall with the battle cry. Tears fill the eyes of their loved ones and their brothers and all. 
are listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program produced on Wurundjeri Country. I am Ayan Shirwa. So a little while ago, I received an email from Jacob Gamble of 3CR's Monday Breakfast program. He introduced me to Lovin, the African School Community Liaison Officer. Lovin put together a team of young African-Australian students who took part in the YMCA Youth Parliament program. This group of superstars developed a bill to address racism in schools through a trainer, sorry, through a teacher training program. Today, you'll hear from some of the team, including Razaz, Danya, and of course, Lovin. How can I forget? Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, so our listeners can't see who is in the studio. So maybe we can start off with Ludden. Ludden, can you tell us a bit about yourself and then we'll go with Razaz and then Dania. Perfect. Hi, I'm Ludden. Um, I'm 22. I work as a social support worker at different schools within the Southeast region. Um, I'm with two of my students actually right now, which is amazing. And they will be sharing their experiences with Youth Parliament Program. Um, so, yeah, I work with um, school communities with high population of African students. So I think it's amazing in the sense that, like, I get to work with my own community. I get to work with other African communities. And I just support them with their emotional needs, career, academic needs, um, as well as financial support and a bunch of other things. Oh, hi, I'm Razaz Al-Ghali. I'm 17 years old and I attend a school in the Southeast region. And I'm one of the team members in the Victorian African Communities team, which we'll be talking about today as well. Hello, I'm Dania Dawood. I'm 16 years old and I go to school in the Southeast region in Dandenong. Uh, so I'm part of the Victorian African Communities Action Plan team that went to Youth Parliament this year. And with the help of our school community liaison officers like Ladan, um, yeah, we were able to have that opportunity. I want to quickly give a shout out to Monga Mukasa, who isn't here today because he's away. He does what I do at Lindale Secondary College, and he's a big part of this whole process. Um, so there was two support workers in this whole process. So Monga Mukasa, shout out to you, who does amazing work within the community. Um, our Congolese king. Thank you for everything you do for us. Um, and he was actually the reason why we're actually doing the Youth Parliament. He, he actually found it um, online and he thought it would be amazing. So both me and him collaborated our schools. So we had three different schools within the South East region come together um, to kickstart the project for the Youth Parliament program. Before we look at the youth program, I know two of you are in high school and I know, Lothan, you've been in high school as well. You're no longer there. But I'd love to know your experience of schooling. What's it been like? The challenges, the rewards? I'd love to know as much as possible. So with me, obviously, I used to go to a school in the southeast region and in primary, I experienced a bit of like racism and discrimination with like my hijab since when I went to year seven I was wearing my hijab because of you know like a Muslim I'm like representing who I am and trying to like be who I am but then obviously with like the school environment and everything I couldn't like actually you know keep it on for like much longer because like stereotype and like everything so then I took it off and then obviously everyone was like oh my god you look so nice with your hair out good thing you took it off and like you know all this type of comments and obviously I was like yeah you know I was getting confident and confident but then obviously through throughout the years I became stronger and more confident and then um wore the hijab again and yeah here I am now my god that sounds like 
That sounds very heavy. Thank you for yeah. sharing, number one. Number two, you mentioned that you experienced discrimination. You also felt the pressure to take off the hijab, which you did. Yeah. But I'm also glad that you put it back on. Um, at that time, did you have any support, like any support networks, whether it was your friends? Was there someone at school you could speak to about this? Yes, which is Ladan, thanks to her. <laughs> um, yeah, so since she came to our school, I felt more comfortable because obviously she's Somalian, like, you know, two black girls <laughs> and everything. But, yeah, obviously when she came, she supported me throughout, like, everything, my journey, which helped me a lot. And then that's how, who I am today, thanks to her. That sounds amazing to hear. Lovin, I can't imagine what that sounds like, hearing the impact that you had. And maybe you could also tell us about your personal experience of high school. And I think Razaz is someone who I've worked very close with, her being like one of my first students that I really helped. Um, and when I saw her, like her school photo didn't have a hijab and I knew she was on and off. But then I think the best part about her is ever since I've come, she's actually haven't, she hasn't taken it off. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's instilling that confidence. And I know going to school, um, Razaz will know, I present myself in a very professional way only because there's that stereotype that, you know, oh, Africans don't present themselves well or that we're not reliable or we're not educated. So I take it upon myself to dress in a pantsuit in like, and wear my hijab with pride and walk with my head held high. It's not necessarily the quality of what I'm wearing or anything, but it's the way I present myself and the way I choose to um, attend work every day, which I think instills confidence within herself that like, regardless of what everyone's saying, um, here I am that people are also complimenting me on for wearing a hijab. So people always have something to say and you can't just fixate or even morph into what their expectations are, mm. but you need to stand your own ground. So I'm so proud of her. And to hear her say that is like, I've heard her say it before. So I think it's I'm at a point that I'm going to stop crying. That's amazing to hear. And wearing the hijab, I don't wear it, but it should always be something that you do willingly and that you shouldn't feel pressured to put it on or to take it off. And I'm glad that even though it was hard that you had to go through that, at the end, you made the right decision for yourself and I'm glad that you did. And I'm glad that you have someone like Lovin in your life to be able to provide you a good um, representation. I think that's very important. So let's go to Dania. I know you wear a head wrap as well or a hijab. I'm not yeah. sure if your experience is the same and it's totally fine if it's not. But what was high school like for you? Um, so I think I'll start with primary school because that's sort of like the backstory of how I came to be in high school. So primary school, I experienced similar to Razaz, like the same sort of feeling like I don't belong as much because my primary school was predominantly uh, Caucasian um, populated and I didn't find much representation uh, of my background, my African-Australian background. And that's something that made me feel the same sort of like doubt in myself to put on the hijab. Like I didn't in primary school, I hadn't put it on and I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't at that stage, I didn't see myself in future putting it on in that sort of environment. And I think the change between primary school and high school was that when I got to my high school, Lindale Secondary College, I found that everyone was so multicultural and so diverse. And I found a lot of other girls around me, um, also of Muslim background, putting on the hijab and wearing it with pride and having different styles and different ways to express themselves. And that's when I really started to think, okay, well, if I've all these years of primary school, I wanted to fit in. This isn't the time for me to want to fit in when everyone's trying to stand out. So that really pushed me towards putting on hijab. And along with that, I would say similar to Ladan, that sense of presenting yourself and 
being the best version of you mm. in everything that you do is definitely, I would say for me, ingrained in my family. Uh, being of Sudanese Australian background, um, my parents, their values in presenting yourself well in everything that you do is very strong. Simple and small things for others like ironing your school uniform, making sure you're moisturised, making sure your books are neat, you know what I mean? Start of the school year having the right bag, you know, the shoes, not getting any shoes, the right school shoes so that you look right. Yeah, that sort of picturesque school kid picture at the start of the school year with all your siblings <laughs> for your parents, that sort of, it really, it really pushed me to want to every day be that be that person that's embodying that sort of representation for myself, my family and my community. And even with like family back home, their value of education, it really pushed me as a first-gen Sudanese Australian girl, I would say, and a hijabi, like similar to Rezaiz, it pushed me to want to, you know, have that good representation of my community and of my family like that. Um, and I think that's really helped build my work ethic and so I would say high school before Mukasa coming to school and supporting the African Australian uh, youth African Australian students I would say I had that sense of wanting to strive but at the same time I did sort of feel left out in a sense like I was the only person that looked like me in my classes and being in um being in, I would say, the STEM class in Year 7 and Year 8 and then moving to the Accelerated class in Year 9, it made me sort of like question if I really belong in those classes and I remember going back and sitting assessments where I'm like, okay, do I really know this stuff? And I'm seeing everyone around me, you know, working hard and they have people that, you know, look like them from their community that they communicate with in their own language sometimes, you know, to build that sort of environment and I was never left out of that. Um, I was always trying to work myself in with the class but I just I felt that lack of representation in that sort of environment so I think after Makasa came uh, to our school I really found that sense of empowerment in that okay well I have someone there for me that I could speak to and who could relate to sort of similar experiences that I'm going through. Hi, my name's John A. Tate, and I've collected hundreds of songs about footy and sport. So we've put together a program called The Sporting Record. Hang on, it's not all about your records, John A. Em and I are also here to cast a critical 3CR eye over all things sport. Join John, James and me every Thursday at 4pm for The Sporting Record, right here on 855 3CR. Kicking off on Thursday, August 25th at 4 o'clock. Welcome back. You are listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program produced on Wurundjeri Country. I am Yan Shirwa. Today we, we've been speaking to Ladhan, Rizaz and Danya, a group of young African-Australians. Ladhan is the school community liaison officer and Rizaz and Danya were part of the youth parliament team she put together so far, we've gotten to know a little about these brilliant young women and their high school experience. In this next half of the interview, we learn about the YMCA Youth Parliament Program and the bill that was unanimously passed. 
Just to give a bit of context, Mukasa and myself, Lovin, um, so we do um, an S we're part of the SELO initiative under the VCAP um, guidelines at, for the Department of Education. So what we do is that we go to different schools and we support African-Australian students. So think of it like an African social support worker. Um, and if you think about it, just there's always teams for the Afghan community. There's always teams for the Pacifica cultures. So there was definitely a gap in the um, support for the African-Australian community. So there's been like, I think it was $10 million that was granted out through homework club initiatives and other different supports, but this role was another thing. So there's like um, eight of us across Victoria that go to multiple schools deemed to be, you know, high population of African students. Um, and I think what I want to kind of get across to the, the listeners is basically that we go into schools and we're the only African staff member usually. And we were there's when you walk outside there's so many African students. Do you know what I mean? So we're here trying to support these students emotionally, um, academically and all these other things, but then the students tend to naturally get like gravitate to you because there's a sense of cultural um, division in the sense that they will not trust someone that doesn't align with their culture or right. race. So I think a lot of um, the student feedback and the experiences after having us in the school is she's changed my life, she's done this, she's had such a big impact in such a short amount of time, not just me but for Mukasa as well, only because there's that sense of support that they never had. What do you think schools get wrong when it comes to African students? The thing is, and I, I don't think schools holistically get wrong, but I think there's assumptions and there's... um undergrain stereotypes within the African communities and believe it or not some people just tend to inherit it and that's why I'm very strong on the whole saying of if you're not with us you're against us because if you're not standing with us on the Black Lives Matter movement or anything and you're on the middle ground you're you're not supporting us which means you don't have a say and with this kind of stuff like racism discrimination and the way we feel if you do not agree with us and you can't see why we feel this way you're against us do you know what I mean so I think it's one or the other but I think another thing is um, especially working in the southeast um, region because we've only migrated in the past 25 years there hasn't been enough of us that have actually successfully um, successfully made it in a sense so give us 10 more years and like I already know one two three four five people who are like doing really well for themselves I think there will be a flood of African Australian people within the Department of Justice Department of Education um, government like the legal system, police force, I think once they see more positive representations, that stereotype will tend to go. So I think even with me, when they see me, they'll be like, oh, yeah, she's very, you know, she's very assertive. Or I'll even get emails back from teachers. And then they'll be like, you write like a lawyer. And it's like, why would you assume I don't know how to write? Is there also pressure to be perfect? Because it seems like we're constantly worrying about what we say, how we say it, how we look, how we present ourselves. Do you feel that's a lot of pressure and how do you deal with that pressure to be like like a model minority? I would say 100% there is that pressure. It does exist. Um, being in high school and wanting to be the best version of myself where I'm representing my community in the most positive light, Seeing the way media portrays young African Australians is really degrading and because so many people already have biases and prejudices currently against the African Australian community, it really, it fuels that sort of rage and prejudice and it's something that puts youth of African Australian background like myself who want to do well and want to push these positive um, 
positive outlooks and views of our community, it really puts us behind, which is extremely unfair considering the amount of hard work that we put in to present ourselves. And I think for myself, sort of a way that I channel this sort of view and passion into wanting into doing better, I would say it would be watching uh, watching other young Africans in other Western communities and societies. Um, I would say for me, even though this is a bit less related, watching uh, Top Boy, uh, based in the UK, and I would say completely different continent, um, different society, different community, but it's the same sort of struggles that Africans face when living in a Western country as first generation first generation immigrants or refugees even perhaps. So seeing that and seeing the way actors of African background are portraying themselves and, you know, using this using their experience to channel channel their passion into something so great. Like Top Boy is literally amazing. Mm. Hands down. If after this, listeners, go watch Top Boy. I've been able to be empowered through not only having the support of my African-Australian teachers, but also seeing those examples and being like, okay, that's another part of the world. But at the end of the day, that's another African, you know, brother or sister, whoever they are. And I can be as great as they are because if they can make it there, if they can make it in the UK, I can make it in Australia. You know what I mean? If this was like a um, like a Def Jam like poetry situation, you would be getting a lot of clicks because yes, amen to that. Yes, yes. So Rizaz, I was wondering if you had any similar experiences. So as Lada, um, Ladan and Daniel were saying, when it comes to like assumption and the way the media portrays African people, it's in like a dangerous way. So then when younger African students go to school, most teachers, you know, view them as like, you know what, they're going to grow up and be dangerous or they're like just like not safe at all. And then the way they just judge on by that, it just comes out in like just a negative way. And then some teachers, what's the word? They might be like, you know, the student's dangerous in a way or like, they just like might not like understand the thing. Mm. But then that's just like not who we are. We're like so much, we can get educated the same way as other students can, we're smart. And we're just like, you know, we're just trying to prove that more and more yeah. so they can understand that. But I think that's with everyone. Like if I say something and like someone else says it, we're seen as the, like the angry black woman. Do you know what I mean? Or it's not that I'm being disrespectful. I'm using my please and thank yous. And I'm actually very, very calm when I'm speaking. But it's, Ladan, you're being very, very aggressive right now. And I'm like, I'm not like, <laughs> I can't help but like smile. I literally smile every time they say that. I'm like, excuse me, I'm really not. I'm us being assertive is seen as intimidating. Why? Because we hold ourselves with our heads high and we don't go. I know my boss once, once told me from the department, he said, Ladan, to go to the middle, you need to go around the court to get to the middle. And I was like, why would I need to do that when if I go like straight through, we're both in the middle? Each way, we're both going to the middle. Hmm. It's like you don't need to kind of tiptoe around to go to the middle. And it's like you have to learn how to do this. But I think racism is a battle that we're going to be fighting for for quite some time. So. Yeah. It sounds it sounds very stressful, and I'm I'm so disappointed because first of all, you guys are a lot younger than me, and I 
had the same experiences and I went through the same thing. And I always like to think that with different generations come different learnings, different opportunities. So even though there are certain changes, there's still obstacles in the way. And I guess maybe that is one of the reasons you guys joined the YMCA Youth Parliament Programme. For listeners who don't know what that is, I'll get you to explain a bit about that program and why you wanted to join. Yep. So the Youth Parliament Program provided by the YMCA is a, I would say, youth advocacy program where youths of teens of six get to come together and put together a bill with the help of mentors and then present that in Parliament with the other Youth Parliament teams. So in total, 20 teams, 120 youth parliamentarians. Uh, And yeah, the experience is absolutely amazing and it provides youth a platform to speak. And I think for us as a team, one of the most one of the most amazing things about being there as an all African Australian team, first ever, never done before, um, was that looking around there was only one other young African Australian other than our team so if our team was not there it would most likely be less than less than seven out of 120 youth across the state of Victoria which is it's it's sad to know that there is that lack of representation but our presence there just shows that there's there is a, a long way to go but it can definitely be shortened by programs and support such as having our African-Australian SCLOs, Ladana Mukasa. So just to give you guys a little overview about our bill, so it was cross-cultural engagement and community bill. Um, and basically what the the bill was about was we, did, we had different clauses. You know, I think it was around 10 clauses and it was student support, teacher training was the biggest one. So we're going to do cross-cultural training amongst teachers, just training them on unconscious bias, what white fragility actually looks like, what um, unconscious bias, um, racism, discrimination, how to actually pronounce these kids' names across these schools. It was passed unanimously, so not one person said no. And with all their speeches, helping them all draft it and actually create it, we all, we didn't have the facts and we didn't have like you know the rhetorical language and stuff it was all personal experiences and I think the room the minister of education minister of youth all of these different people were left at all because like if you say like I I disagree with this bill you're showing your true colors because it was something that like I think they can't say no to and us saying we've had only two people Mukasa and Ladan at these schools and this is the impact that we have we need more support How awesome are these three young women? Shout out to Danya, shout out to Lovin and Rizaz. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait to see, you know, your bill in action. I know there's a lot of schools that can benefit from what you guys put together and what you guys are trying to say. Um, That is it from me. As usual, hit us up on Instagram at 3cr.diasporablues. Listen back to this episode when I put it up as a podcast on our 3CR page at 3cr.org.au forward slash diaspora blues.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.